countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, welcome back to another week of the last comic shop. Where we search through all those never-ending rows of long boxes to bring you weekly comic book reviews and recommendations for fans both new and old. Yeah! And we also try to not get buried under this giant pile of snow. Have you guys seen the weather out there? It's shaping up to be a blizzard that would make Captain Cold jealous. I know, right? I swear I was almost attacked by a Wendigo on my way to the shop earlier today. Well, I am the host with the most, Eddie Larson, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Jay Scott and Chad Smith, as we brace to sit out some of this serious winter weather. Oh, you know what that means. Snow day! Snow day! Oh, come on, guys. Don't make me be the mean old principal here. We promised our fans another DC comic book review to wrap up our month-long showcase of one of the oldest comic book publishers in the business. All the more reason to ditch this week's review and go build a snow fort or something. We can make halls of justice. That's DC, right? People would like that. (laughs) That may be true. But where would our fans go to find what comic books they should read in their spare time without the guiding hand of the last comic shop? There's snowy halls of justices, like I said earlier. (laughs) There's got to be a middle ground somewhere. What about the last comic shop archives? There has to be some leftover DC comic book reviews in the Archive Rama 3000 that we could give our listeners while we're tobogganing like there's no tomorrow. I love tobogganing. Good idea. Yeah. All right. Let's head down to the last comic shop vault and uh, see what we can find. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's freezing down here. Can we get, like, a space heater or something? Hold on. You know how much it would cost to heat a joint this size? What do I look like? I'm made out of money? Besides, that's what wool sweaters are for. Anyways, did you fellas have an idea of what show we should bust out for our fans? Well, we've been talking DC this month and a lot of Superman stuff, so why don't we review Who Killed Jimmy Olsen, the maxi-series by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber. Oh, I like that one. Plus, there's that DC trivia game we did with Ethan, and uh, I think uh, people will dig it, like a, like ah. a snow fort or a snow hall of justice. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Let's go ahead and wrap up that old archive Rama 3000 and revisit some ghosts of last comic shop past with a read power review of Who Killed Jimmy Olsen? First half of today's program, we're going to be doing a read pile. As we often do on Drew, we educate you on the kind of comic books that you should be reading. The uh, trade paperback of the, you call it a maxi series? What do you call this, Chad? I would say maxi series, yes. It's more than six. Okay. Less than 24. There you go. It is a 12-issue story called Jimmy Olsen. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. And uh, Chad, who wrote this book and who drew this book? So this book is written by Matthew Fraction. It is drawn by Stephen Lieber. And we are going to talk about issues 1 through 12, uh, which regrettably 
Uh, you guys did not get to see the lead-in story, which okay. I had, but in Superman Leviathan Rising, there was a brief uh, lead-in story where Jimmy Olsen gets married to this woman that he hadn't met before, Jix. They get drunk on Gorilla Wine at a signing at the Gorilla City Ook store, because the bee has fallen off. Um, but, uh, and this is what it inspired me to, to pick up this series. And there's even a gag in here where Jimmy's talking about all the crazy things that have happened to him. And uh, he starts telling her about the one time he was turned into a cartoon that his new wife asks, why are you telling me this? And he's like, I was really glad not to be there anymore because my eyes would have popped out of my head and my jaw would be on the floor and there'd be all these big aruga aruga noises everywhere. It's really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that written by Matt Fraction as well? Yeah. And that's okay. where they meet the cat that shoots blood out of its face. All the yeah, super weird. And as I said, this just came out in trade paperback. So you can go to your local comic book shop or bookstore and pick this up. And who wants to do the 10 cent synopsis? <laughs> I think it should be our resident uh, auteur. Uh, that would be Ethan Larson. Ethan, can you grace us with the 10 uh, cent synopsis? I think I'll need a dollar for this one. More or less deals with uh, Jimmy is our great-great-grandson of some old money to that was part of the settlers that came to metropolis they have infinite amount of money there's two siblings of jimmy's that are introduced julian and jamie yeah julian is plotting to kill jimmy because because julian has run the family out of money but as every superman story goes lex luther is of course involved hijinks ensue there's a bunch of different subplots and you have to really be paying attention and i don't know if it was actually the running gag or if this was actually like pulled from phrase of silver age golden age lunacy that's it all right yeah i mean there's a lot you're right that there's a lot that goes on and there's a lot of characters that are introduced here not only do you we tried to look up whether or not they ever talked about the olsons being like old money and being the first people to settle that part of delaware Holla, yes. if you hear me <laughs> <laughs> that's actually where that's where metropolis is supposed to be in delaware that's right uh, is that one of your questions <laughs> that was one of my questions <laughs> <laughs> and and gotham is in new jersey ah! so, which is yeah, very appropriate <laughs> oh but anyways yeah so the grand grandpappy uh olsen finds uh, basically the comstock load of like gold yeah. and basically Grand gets infinite wealth pushes them off a waterfall right and, and and the luthers have been involved this whole time and everything like that and there's been this long rivalry that's never been brought up before but it works in this particular book you know, the jinx comes back the wife that he did not divorce and like uh, this there's this alien suitor that wants her hand in marriage and brings all these weird robots and they throw soap at them i i, I don't know it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then then Jimmy Olsen takes kind of a grand tour of all the cities in DC Universe. Um, He goes to Gotham. He goes to Eldersburg, Virginia. (laughs) He goes to Opal City. Hey, hey, you want to throw in some some random facts from this 12 issues? Wow, it's got... uh... My new favorite villain, the Porcadillo, <laughs> who walks around in pink Crocs. Because <laughs> he didn't want to go by the Annihilator Junior Junior. <laughs> Other than that, it was just 
batshit crazy twelve <laughs> issues. I, I, I'm not the only one to say this. I started reading this and loved it, and then I hated it, and then I loved it again, and then I hated it. Yes, <laughs> it's a wild ride. You are describing my emotional arc right now, for sure. <laughs> the whole time I was waiting for the the panel when I would see Jughead because it was straight out of Archie. <laughs> yeah, and I actually did want to say that because it, this did remind me so much of Chip Zdarsky's Jughead run, where he just does so many like asides and stories within stories. And... <laughs> Anyways, we are going to start off with Chad's somewhat initial thoughts, and then I'm going to allow Ethan and J.A. to kind of interject when he starts being too gushy-gushy about this book. Just, just, so, Chad, you gush for a little bit, and then I'm going to let the other guys bring you down to earth with some counterpoints. Okay. So the first thing I want to say is I agree with the emotional arc. About midway through this, I'm like, all right, I've had enough of this already. Mm. But <laughs> before I got there, there were a couple of things, like I said early on, that really endeared me to this series. And the first is it's some of the setup stuff where in the, the first couple issues, we learn that Jimmy Olsen has been doing like YouTube style videos for Chief White is you know ready to fire him. And then they find out that those stupid videos that he's making are the only things that make money for the Daily Planet. <laughs> and so instead of firing him, you know, they send him off on all these other crazy adventures. And I thought that was hilarious. And like at one point he interviews Superman and like you get to see Superman as a real person. And he's joking and asking Superman for one of his YouTube videos about what are some of your lesser known superpowers? And there's one like, do you know that I look amazing in wigs? <laughs> or, is this your card? It was just hilarious to see Superman in, the, in those moments. But then, Jimmy Olsen, somebody decides they want to kill him. And they kill a life model decoy. And that sends Jimmy off on his quest throughout Gotham, where he becomes uh, Timmy Wilson, YouTube content creator. And he does all these pranks like... Let's see how many jokers we can get into the donut shop before Batman shows up. That was hilarious, and he steals the wheel off the Batmobile. Well, if I could really quickly interject, I, I back to the Superman uh, thing. I, I, I thought that was one of the, the best parts of this entire series, is just kind of Superman being in the background and just being kind of like, yeah, Jimmy's up to his thing, but like he asked me not to inter intervene or whatever. And and But but I, I love that scene where he's coming up with the fake superpowers or the ones you don't know because he's yeah. just like... You know, Jimmy wants him to be serious on this thing. And he's just like, come on, Jimmy. Like, you're the only person I get to be like this around. And and for me, that was a really human moment for Superman because you're right. Who else does he get to be like a clown and just a jokester with than his, his good friend Jimmy? I will be honest. I thought this was one of the best interpretations of Superman I've seen in a long time. From beginning yeah. to end. This is a Superman I could get behind. He is a real delight as a person. Yeah, I want to kind of piggyback off of that and say that they did the same thing with Batman. They kind of poked some holes into him and made him a little bit funny and irrelevant. And <laughs> had him on that date with that, like, Instagram model or whatever. <laughs> yes! And, yeah. 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 He, they're in the middle and he's like, I'm Batman. And she's like, really? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, he's on the terrible date. <laughs> I was like, no, I'll have a snake. And I'll have a second one, but made into a shake, please. Yeah. <laughs> the best scene is Batman with Alfred. And he's like, Alfred, have you been paying people to laugh at my jokes? And Alfred's like, yes, sir. 
How did you know? And he's like, because I'm an amazing detective. You can just tell he's crying inside that mask. And then he pulls out the Steve Martin arrow through the head. Yeah. Puts it on. yeah. And then he gets into a, a prank war with Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Good stuff. Anyways, Chad, go on. Gush a little bit more. So there were so many, like, gags that were, I, I just thought were hilarious. When they cut to Gorilla CNN and it's just a gorilla on TV and the caption is all, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I love that shit. And yeah. uh, when Jimmy Olsen uh, is killed and his brother reads the, the headline in the newspaper the next day and it's the reign of the subpar men and it's there's cyborg Jimmy Olsen and steel Jimmy Olsen and a teenage Jimmy Olsen and then Jimmy yeah, I, Olsen with sunglasses. I mean, I, I got that, but then I didn't get that at all. <laughs> like, I don't know why there was four random Jimmy Olsons and then why they well, appeared. A, it was a play on the reign of Superman. Like, all that stuff was hilarious. And then, like I said, there was a certain point where I just got sick of it. I'm tired of this shit. This is an opportunity for J.A. to jump in and say, when did you get tired of this shit? Probably like issue three or issue four became a bit of a Sisyphean task for me. I felt I was just... I got tired of the fact that Every issue was like five little mini stories and two pages into the story, it would suddenly switch. And then you've got a whole new splash page. And I was like, just give me one longer put together story. I don't need three pages of mini story and then another three pages of something else. I was really getting invested in the whole flashback stuff of the, the founding of Metropolis. But then I'd get a page of it and, I, and it'd go away. For two issues, and then I get two more pages of it. I'm like, okay. And I want to say that the the little like subtext boxes were funny and cute to a, to an extent. This happened also too in at Jughead at some point, where they started telling jokes in the bottom line of the you know issue and being like a astute kind of person. Like I I feel like like I have to read everything, and I just got to the point where some of these boxes are just like nonsense like i don't want to be reading the same thing over and over like jimmy Powell, yeah i get it you're doing a clever pun you're doing this like and some of them were pretty good like the bizarro's pal lex luther or the bizarro was spelled backwards that was clever but like at the same point that there was one that was actually arguing with me about why i was reading the, the little byline like you're an idiot for reading this like, and- yes it was i thought it was getting Clever just to be clever, and at that point, I got annoyed by it because okay. yeah. it became a little too meta, too little, too non sequitur. Like it was just all over the map. With like, oh, we're just telling jokes just to tell jokes at this point, and not really doing the story very much. Yes, I would say that I agree with that. Yeah, my initial thought of this is just simply there was a lot going on like there there's a lot in these 12 issues i think this is a book that i should have read one issue at a time as it was released monthly because sitting down to read 12 issues of this all at once again it became like a little bit of joke overkill like i'm just like okay i get it like i'm at the comedy show to go back on your point too like i think that if this was like part of your read pile and you had all this other serious stuff that you had a subscription to and then you have this as like kind of your palate cleanser I think that works, and I think it probably works better if it's like, you know, I get this one-off issue, but reading it back to back to back to back, it, it just started getting 
I think a little bit insufferable at times. I mean, again, there's there's all these subplots, and they're all running around. And I I had a hard time keeping track of the characters sometimes, and like where the plot was. Like they kept on saying like who killed Jimmy Olsen. After a while, it's just like who cares who <laughs> killed Jimmy Olsen? Like, Jimmy Olsen doesn't even care who killed yeah. him. <laughs> I mean, there's some good parts of that. Like, why? What? But, I, but also, I was like, why does he show up at the high school in the the James Bond? Like, yeah. it was funny. Like, he t- he takes off the, sw- the the scuba suits and he's got like the tuxedo, and then he takes off the tuxedo and he's got the scuba suit underneath. I was just <laughs> like, but yeah. And then why Lex Luthor is trying to scam the PTA out of like. <laughs> All these funds at that Dutch Baccarat. Like, Matt Fraction was having a lot of fun, obviously, and kudos to him, but, like, it was a lot. Chad? Yeah. I, well, I did want to add, too, I, I don't know if this would have worked one issue at a time just because it was so dense. Mm-hmm. And, like, I felt like there was so much going on to juggle. I, I will say, I, I listened to an interview with Stephen Lieber, and he talked about how when he's done some of his other work, like when he did uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, that was more Marvel style. Whereas this was Matt Fraction had laid out so many things that he wanted to do. Lieber was just following along with what uh, Fraction had wanted. And I agree, it gets insufferable at a point. But then, by the time it hits issue 9 and rounds the bend towards the end, I really started to love it again. And, like, all these payoffs started to happen. You get Jimmy Olsen and they're surrounded by the Kevins. And they're just looking for to throw off of the roof things that will make them slip and fall. It was like Ugnats or something, or not Ugnats, like from Star Wars. Yeah, you're right though. I mean, by the end, I, I mean I think my favorite issue actually was the last issue. Like, you know why? Because issue twelve didn't have any of that crap that was in the the other eleven issues. Yeah. Issue twelve was a standard issue. There's none of those splash pages. There's none of those three-page, two-page different storylines. It's a single storyline. It runs through the entire issue. It's like a regular comic book. I didn't mind jumping around if it serves the story, but I felt that it was done less to serve the story and more as an artifice. Yeah. It's almost like um, Family Guy. If those episodes that are like too many cutaways are annoying after a while. Okay. See, I could see that, but then like... The Jimmy and Drag issue was great. Like, I loved him doing the mafia stuff at the end. We're like, the only one who can help me. And then he takes off the wig. Yeah. So much of it was an homage to the crazy Silver Age stories, the Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen of the past. I do want to say, so somebody that, for like me, who hasn't really read a lot of DC, I just didn't know if these gags actually existed. Like, the whole, like, Gotham City apartment like, that was really weird, and, uh, <laughs> like, that guy... and can't his, leave his the window retention. open or the bats will come in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this book, I hate it, yeah. I love it, and I hate it, I love it. I love that, like, Gotham, it rains all the time in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> or or when, he, when Superman brings Jimmy Olsen to the meeting with Batman, and he gets all pissed, and he jumps off, and Superman's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about <laughs> it. <laughs> when, they make the, when they make a brief appearance in Opal City and everyone's wearing like sweater vests yeah. and he's like, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many gags and the word is unguents. I just found my word unguents. When they're okay. dipping out the, uh, the whipped cream, they're like, we're running out of unguents. You get to that issue 11 and there's the payoff for all that stuff. You have Jimmy Olsen wearing the metamorpho suit. You know, you see Metamorpho as the underpants, just his face is there. Like, that's really creepy and scary. But, like, 
They brought back the Jokers. They brought back the, you know, the blood spray cat. The one janitor guy or the super is just swinging that blood spray cat around, knocking down <laughs> Kevin. I'm like, that was great. And the subpar Jimmy Olsons are running through. And the guy who rips his arms off. And there are all these different references to all of this just crazy bananas uh, crap. And then you get to one panel where the guy finally goes to, to meet Jimmy Olsen, you know, the, the big red alien. He's like, come and face me. And he dismounts from his horse. And he's there and he's talking to Jimmy Olsen. And the very next panel down, you see somebody punching his horse. Like, that was great. <laughs> There's so many stupid things in here. Like Jay said earlier, I hate it and I love it. I hate it and I love it. I hate it and I love it. I don't know where to fall in the end. Well, let's get some grades here for Jimmy Olsen. I know this is going to be a tough one to grade, folks, but we got to grade it. And we'll start off with Ethan. I think we got to say it. If we hate it, it's an F. If we love it, it's an A. It's a C. <laughs> All right. So it's a C, like overall. Yeah. Like it's just. But I will say it is worth your time. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back on this now. <laughs> I don't know if it was worth my time or not. <laughs> Is the payoff worth it? I don't know either. Okay. Real quickly, best part about the book, worst part about the book. You're like this guy that's the A, the F. Like, what was the best part? What was- the best gags were probably the ones in Gotham. Yeah. I loved Timmy Olsen. I loved all of his antics. That was good he stuff. He was such a douche. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Such a douche. Oh, oh, I did want to me- mention Vicky Vale's brief appearance on uh, GNN. <laughs> that was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and I like worst. The, the, the whole subplot with the interstellar wife was just kind of weird for me. That was like almost too weird. Okay. All right, we'll go to JA next. JA? Yeah, it was kind of like one of those classes you took in college where <laughs> you loved it when you were in the class, but then the second the class ended, next day you're like, do I need to go to class today? <laughs> I'm just going to skip it. So you like end up skipping half the class and you end up getting probably a C. Because every time you were in class, you're getting A's, but every time you're out of class, you're getting F's for missing it. It, it was one of those things. It was just, I, I kind of agree with Ethan on this. Best part is I like that Superman was in the background, but he was always doing stuff, but he didn't let Jimmy Olsen know. So that has you have that nice scene at the end of the, the last episode where he was like, what are friends for? But I knew you could handle it. Like, there's that scene where Jimmy Olsen's been arrested and the guy's going to shiv him. And Superman just shoots his heat ray and gets the guy to drop <laughs> yeah. the shiv. Yeah, I like that, too. Oh, and when he's sitting in jail and, like, everybody yeah. else is sitting to the far side of him. It's, uh, <laughs> so, Chad, you're next. This is a super tough one because, no, there's so much in here. And, like, a lot of this is what I, I traditionally call 2% humor, where... If you're part of the 2% of the population that recognizes the reference, like, it's glorious to see that stuff. And so the times when I saw the things that I recognized, I was like, oh, that is awesome. And so I love Steven Lieber's art. I think he's great in terms of faces and acting and just the, the versatility of all the stuff that was in here. I love the, the gag per page ratio. I loved all the different takes on Jimmy's name. You know, whether it was Jimmy or Timmy or Jimbley or Jiminy or like (laughs) he has a thousand different names in here, a thousand different roles. Like there's so much of it that I I enjoyed. But like I said, there's a point where it's like, all right, you're just being insufferable. 
Just shut the <laughs> up. <laughs> and I recognize you need to set all these things up for the big payoff. And like, I loved the payoff. By the time we rounded the bend, I was with it from issue 10 on, like smiling and ear to ear the entire time. There were so many gags, but uh, I, I just wish that they could have tightened it up somehow. And like, yeah. I don't know the logistics. If it would have worked, if you would have cut out some of the stuff in the middle. So if I was just grading it on like the opening and the ending, it would be an A+. Because Steven Lieber's work is great, and Fraction's jokes are, are funny. But there's that middle part that drags it down. And so I'm going to say B+, at the end okay. of the day. I don't regret reading it, and I feel like had I been a bigger Silver Age nut, I would have gotten more of those 2% references. So if you're somebody who's a long-term Jimmy Olsen fan, I think this is definitely worth your while. All right. Well, this is for my, my cousin J.A. I'm going to make a, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 analogy to this book. And I'm going to compare this book to another book that does a very similar thing in Next Wave. Next Wave! For me, Next Wave is like the Joel Hodgson era mystery science theater where the timing of the jokes is really, really good. Like Marvel continuity is the movie that they're parroting. They're throwing out their ad libs and their jokes and they're poking fun at all this history. Like, you know, Fing Fang Foom wearing underpants and, you know, Captain and 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 bring him back uh, my robot brain needs beer and dirk anger hey. like the joel hodgson era this uh jimmy olsen this is kind of like the new series that was on netflix with jonah yeah they've got dc up on the the movie screen and they're making all the right jokes and some of them are really funny but it just seems like the timing's off where they're like, you know what? The best thing to do is just kind of throw as many jokes out at you in a row. Not worried about where they hit or whether or not it's the timing's right. We'll just throw all of them out. And we'll just bombard them. And eventually, that just becomes a lot for anybody to take in. And you're just kind of like, all right, at some point, just shut the fuck up and get to the story. Like, let us let me watch the movie for a little bit instead of, like, just one joke after another after another. It's like they were very excited to do what they were going to do. So I love Matt Fraction. I think he had some really good jokes here. I just wish that there were not as many. Because I'll say my favorite issue of this book was issue 12. To J.A.'s point, it was the issue where everything mattered. Like, the end where, like, Jimmy Olsen finally talks to Lex Luthor... And those are some of the best pages in the book. And then the end with Superman, and he's talking about, oh, I'll always be your pal. Those were really heartfelt and meaningful as a comic book. I'm really glad that I wrote them. But at the end of the day, it was just the timing was all over the place. And they're just like, here's a ton of jokes. Laugh at some of them if you want to. And I'm just like, eh, that's not how comedy works. Like, you got to be more, you got to be more accurate with your timing, maybe. I don't know. That's just me. I, to piggyback off your point, and this goes back to. The interview I heard with Lieber, he was praising Fraction's work effusively, like, you know, how great Fraction was doing. But I honestly think had this been a more collaborative effort, it would have been better. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think Matt Fraction's one of those guys where, like, and we all get this way sometimes in our creative endeavors. Some people, you just need to reel in a little bit and be like, yeah. okay, buddy, calm down. 
Like, yeah. Some kind of editor or collaborator, like you said. Yeah, I think that would have benefited. I really liked the art, too. I thought the Libra stuff was great. It just felt like a comic book. And I think that's probably one of the highest praises I can give. Yeah. So I think I'll give it a B minus. I think that this had an opportunity to be an A. And I think, like, uh, maybe if it had been only six issues or seven or something, it might have worked better. But 12 issues, boy, there were some issues I was just like, who cares who killed Jimmy Olsen? And, like, that's <laughs> that's your MacGuffin that you're chasing. And I know that was done on purpose. Like, Matt Fraction, after a while, was like, who cares? We're just, we're just telling jokes now. But that's got to be better with your timing. Sometimes you got to let people watch the movie. I'm going to go out and make a Fortress of Solitude, because that's essentially just a snow fort. <laughs> with crystals. Oh, but would you, would you have those cellophane capes? Make sure you have a couple of those. That'll beat General Zod any day. You just wrap them up in one of those. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be right back with more of the Last Comic Shop podcast right after these commercial breaks, where we will get to that DC trivia, as we promised, featuring, again, my brother Ethan and, and J.A. going head-to-head. Who's going to win? Stay tuned. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. In the second half of today's program, a brand new game that we are trying out here on for the very first time. It is our somewhat quizzy kind of game. We're going to call it, Did You Know That? Where we throw out a bunch. We're giving a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that? Oh, come on. We're going to throw out some very obscure comic book questions. We're uh, talking about a DC book on today's program with Jimmy Olsen. Uh, We are going to do DC facts. And trust me, dipping back in the silver, bronze age, pre-crisis DC, there's a lot of weird shit that happened there. Uh, We will be able to give you all out there in the listening audience some tidbits of knowledge that you can use the next time you're stuck in an elevator and you really want to annoy people. Uh, Plug in your fax machine, kids, because the transmission's ready to start. The first question on today's program is as follows. DC created a superhero named Boogaloo whose superpower was creating destructive sound waves through breakdancing. True or false? Ethan. I gotta go with false for that one. That's just... Uh, that's that seems too on the nose for DC. JA? I think Ethan's right. It's it is totally on the nose. It's totally DC. Totally it's gotta be true. Okay. So the correct answer is false. Oh. <laughs> it was a trick because his actual name wasn't Boogaloo. His name was Vibe. But he did create sound waves by breakdancing. He has recently appeared in the uh, CW Flash TV show. 
That is the first question. So we've got one to nothing for Ethan. So here's question number two. Wonder Woman and the Green Lantern were supposed to be a couple, but DC had to scrap the idea when they received a fan letter suggesting the same thing. I'm going to say that's true because they're just trying to hook Wonder Woman up with anybody that moves. So, <laughs> Okay. J.A.? Yeah, I could see them scrapping it. I don't know about the whole fan letter bit. I think that strikes me as a bit apocryphal. But yeah, DC probably would. They don't want to pay anybody. They got no money now anyways. So I'm going to go with true. All right. You both get a point. It was true. Uh, For legal reasons, they could not proceed with this plan because they got that letter. Your guess is as good as mine why that was the case, but you're right. They got this letter, and they were like, all right, we got to scrap that. All right, so, Chad, you had one for the group. Okay, speaking of Jimmy Olsen, uh, based on Jimmy Olsen's pre-crisis book, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, Jimmy Olsen is the reincarnation of whom? A, Marco Polo, B, Spartacus, C, Charles Darwin, or D, Marco Polo and Spartacus. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with C. I'm going to go with Darwin. That this one makes sense to me. I'm going to go with uh, B, Spartacus. Spartacus? Unfortunately, neither of you chose the best answer, which was D, Marco Polo and Spartacus. <laughs> Ethan's looking for sense where no sense is to be had, sir. <laughs> I didn't go with D because I was like... That is too crazy. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, next question. Again, all mine are, by the way, true or false. Perennial Aquaman villain Black Manta developed his lifelong beef with the king of Atlantis because Aquaman failed to save him from pirates when he was younger. True or false? Ethan? Uh, It has to go deeper than that. I'm going false. Okay. J.A. Did he? Did he? That's true. (laughs) It's true? Uh, J.A. So. gets the point. It was yeah, true. Right. He Very hates man for condemning him to a life of slavery mm-hmm. on the high seas. Well, that makes sense. Now that I think about it in that way, yes. <laughs> that would be a dick thing to do, Aquaman. <laughs> that would be enough. But I always just think of them so, like, cartoony and jovial that I can't take any pirates serious. But, like, pirates are legit, like, slavery and raping and pillaging that's all awful things that can happen from pirates <laughs> it is very true and he, and he the weird thing is he became a pirate himself so i, I don't understand <laughs> he's like i hate being a pirate i'm gonna be a pirate stockholm syndrome yep exactly uh so here's my next question barry allen's version of the flash gave himself his own superpowers true or false I honestly don't even know what this question means. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? True. Have, this question's giving me a headache, so I'm just going to say false. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that's false, too. The answer is true. In Crisis of Infinite Earths, in his climactic death scene, we see that Barry Allen eventually runs so fast that he becomes the lightning bolt that originally struck his former self, thus giving him his powers. Wow. This is what we call a bootstrap paradox. And I thought that was a super interesting fact about Barry Allen. The time travel shit gives me a headache, bro. <laughs> For real. <laughs> uh, Chad, you are up. All right, I'm going to stick on the Jimmy Olsen tip. 
in his book, Jimmy Olsen was not. Which of these things? A, a human octopus. B, a wolfman. C, a genie. D, morbidly obese. Or E, Batman. Uh, morbidly obese is what I'm going to go with. Because I don't think they even knew what morbidly obese meant in the 1950s. I'm going to go with a genie. A genie. Unfortunately, you were all incorrect. Once again, Jimmy Olsen has stumped you. Just like with his recent book we read. The answer was actually Batman. Wow. I would have not guessed the Batman. I would have thought they would have had an issue where he becomes he becomes Batman for a second. Yeah, I thought he definitely would have became Batman. All right, here's the next question. The Green Lantern Corps has a sentient dictionary as a member of its ranks. True or false? Uh, that that's too weird to not be true. Okay. Yeah, that's gotta be true. Yeah. Oh, you're both incorrect. It was false. Ooh. But I will Ouch. say it does have a sentient math equation called DKTZYRRR that was introduced in 1985. My next one Batman has an insanely powerful set of armor for extremely dangerous situations called the Hellbat armor. True or false? Ethan? I thought his mega powerful armor was the Super Buster. Isn't that what the what the one from the Dark Knight? Is that what this? That's just called? when he goes up against the guy from Arrested Development. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know it had a name, but I yeah. guess your true or false is really you're just down on the name because you like to ask us these questions that have elements of actual fact, and then one thing has been changed. I pick up on your game. This is false, but he actually does have the armor. That's what I'm going to say. That's my point. Right. I agree, too. There's The name of the armor is incorrect, but he does actually have the armor. Obviously, yeah. he has, uses in Dark Knight. I'm, I'm, I, I gotta say, I'm f***ing with your guys' heads right now, because the answer's true. Uh, it's called the Hellbat Armor. I just was, this was a gimme. I was just throwing it out there. Uh, it was forged by Superman in the heart of a sun. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the bad shit crazy part. No pun intended. Yeah. What What is the armor, though? That The armor from Dark Knight. Isn't that called something? I, I don't think that one has a name. This is actually something different. I had never seen this armor before. It's all black, and it has, like, this red visor. Like, it looks all badass, but it's, like, legit armor. I think, I don't know, he, it's the armor he uses when he punches Darkseid or something. Go ahead, Chad, you're up. Let's stick with Jimmy, because it's been working so uh, well. Uh, true or false? We'll take a, a tip out of Andy's playbook here. Jimmy Olsen... One shared an apartment with the devil. Well, that uh, that landlord was pretty much the devil, so I'm going to say true. Okay, J.A.? True, right? Yeah, true. Okay, totally true, true for both. You are both correct. That is true. Ooh, Unfortunately for the devil, uh, he eats a dinner prepared by Jimmy Olsen with a dessert so decadent, it just sends him right back to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it was the angel food cake. Oh! Uh, <laughs> all right. Gotham City has always been the home of Batman, as being introduced in Detective Comics 27. True or false, Ethan? I have to say that's false. You have okay. to go somewhere else. J.A.? Yeah, I'm going to go with false. Okay. You are both get a point for that one. It was false. Gotham City was not named... Uh, until Batman number four in 1940. Prior to that, Batman was said to live in both New York and Metropolis. 
believe it or not. Next question. Bruce Wayne pays Clark Kent to work at the Daily Planet. True or false? You just went off the Jimmy Olsen book that we just read. I'm going to say that. All right, that so this is prior, prior to the Jimmy Olsen book. Okay, so, that, so actually Bruce Wayne owns the Daily Planet. I'm still going to say it's false because I think somebody else had to own the Daily Planet other than Bruce Wayne. That's just too convenient. J.A.? True. All right. So J.A. says it's true. It is true. As part owner, Bruce Wayne does pay Clark a salary. So in essence, he is his boss. Wayne owns everything, so... <laughs> he's the only person that bought apple on day one all right wait, wait, um, wait, wait. can we wait here a side conversation what the hell does wayne enterprises actually make what yeah. is their main ask for i think it's all <laughs> a war thing they are like a private military i mean wasn't thomas wayne a doctor shouldn't they be like a pharmaceutical company Drugs, <laughs> weapons money whatever they're making it all. <laughs> Lawyers, guns, and money. So what is LexCorp ever just assigned a, a role? Their their main export is evil. <laughs> uh, evil scientists. <laughs> and baldness. So it's Amazon. <laughs> this from Wikipedia. The Wayne family founded it in the 17th century as a merchant house. Alan Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's great-great-grandfather, erected Wayne Shipping, Wayne Chemical, and Wayne Manufacturing. And that's during the Industrial Revolution. Wow. So they, they diversified. That's yeah. right. So they're, they're FedEx, they're AstraZeneca, and what was the other one? Okay, wait, so there's a massive list of known of, of branches. These are the divisions of the company. Wayne Aerospace, Wayne Airlines, Wayne Automotive, Wayne Aviation, Wayne Biotech, Wayne Botanical, Wayne Chemicals, Wayne Construction, Wayne Electric, Wayne Electronics, Wayne Energy, Wayne Entertainment, which is the parent company of the Daily Planet, Wayne Foods, Wayne Healthcare, Wayne Industries, Wayne Manufacturing, Wayne Medical, Wayne Mining, Wayne Oil, Wayne Pharmaceuticals, Wayne Records, Wayne Research Institute, Wayne Retail, Wayne Securities, Wayne Shipping, Wayne Stage, Wayne Steel, Wayne Technologies, Wayne Television, Wayne Weapons, and Wayne Yards. Are you done? Are you done? I'm doing stuff during a quiz. That's cheating. (laughs) Wayne Wayne Yards. You know what? Why wasn't there Wayne Brewing? (laughs) Maybe that's a subsidiary under Wayne Entertainment or Wayne (laughs) Wayne Stage. That can go to hell. They, they do Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. They, they gave Lin-Manuel Miranda his uh, big break. Wayne State. Chad, you're up. Okay, we'll stay in, in Gotham here. Which friendly character in the Bat Universe was at one point the outsider? Complete with pasty white skin with circular markings. Superhuman powers including telekinesis. His or her own grasshopper gang. And... A hearty desire to kill Batman and Robin. Is it A, Commissioner Gordon, B, Harvey Bullock, C, Alfred Pennyworth, or D, Barbara Gordon? Alfred Pennyworth. I'm going to go with that because that's the most batshit crazy one of the four. Yeah, that's what I, every time I, I would think about the other ones, I'd be like, no, it has to be Alfred. Uh, so I'm going to go with D, too. And you're both correct. This is actually what they got Alfred back yeah. from the bed. Circa the 1960s TV show, they had actually killed Alfred off, who had been a portly gentleman with no mustache prior to the Batman TV show, but they wanted an, a slender Alfred with mustache. So they brought him back and resurrected him as a, as a crazy guy who wanted to kill Batman and Robin. And then right. eventually he became uh, the butler. 
I do have a question about this. Is the Alfred actor that was in Batman, does he play <laughs> Alfred for the next three movies after that? Or do they switch out the Alfred actor? No, the, the one that's mean? in Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, and... Yeah, the old dude. Or Batman Forever. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's Yeah, I think yeah, he's the only consistent Michael part. Ghoul. Okay. Speaking of which, let's go to those Batman movies for the next question. In the planned sequel to the 1997 Batman and Robin movie, it would have seen Tom Petty cast as the evil mastermind manipulator, the Mad Hatter. True or false, Ethan? I'm going to say that's true, because I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, J.A.? Oh, totally true. What's the last dance with Mary Jane, right? Yeah, that's he's basically yeah, the same the video. Ah, uh, it is false. Uh, it is false. And, and it was just, Don't Come Around Here No More. That is the video in which oh, he plays the Mad Hatter. As an interesting side fact, it would have seen Howard Stern cast as the role of the Scarecrow had that uh, movie been made. That's some interesting stuff. All right. Here's the next question. Batman may be able to do a lot of things in the DC universe, but he can't wield the Green Lantern's power ring because he ultimately lacks the willpower due to refusing to accept his parents' death. Here's the problem with your questions. Your questions could have multiple points where they could be true or false. They could be saying, it's true, he cannot wield the ring, but it's false for the reason that you gave. Or it could be false that he cannot wield the ring, i.e. he can wield the ring, but it's true for that reason. Do you see where you're I'm going? You're overthinking this. Just, you're you're right, your sucker. Welcome to the questions. test. <laughs> are you passing or failing this class? True or false, J.A.? I think it's false. Okay, Ethan. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's true because I think I think of him more as a what? When you get the red ring, is that the rage one? It's the rage one. When you get a tick bite. (laughs) The answer is false. (laughs) He is the goddamn Batman. He can do everything in the DC universe, including wielding the green power ring. Batman we're talking about. He can do everything. He's a ninja. He's a scientist. He can wield the goddamn power ring. He could probably be Superman. His company invests in every industry ever. He needs the green ring because then that's where he does all the special effects for Wayne's stage. Yeah. (laughs) We need a donkey for this. Okay. (laughs) Okay, next question. Still in Gotham. Alfred has accomplished in a number of roles. Which of these is not a role that Alfred has fulfilled? Was Alfred A, a classically trained actor, B, an intelligence agent who followed his father's dying wish to become the Wayne family butler, C, Bruce's biological daddy, D, a trained medic, or E, a rose breeder? Which of these is he not? I'm going to say it's F, none of the above. Because he's the GD Batman. He can do everything. <laughs> Even his butler can do everything. I'm going to go Rose Breeder. I think yeah, that's going to say all the other ones. It's the okay. most normal out of the old. <laughs> yeah. Alfred is not Bruce's biological daddy, kids. Parenting-wise, sure. But in terms of actual, you know, stuff. Uh-uh. <laughs> he did not dawdle. He didn't dip his wink in the company ink. <laughs> oh. Speaking of sexual innuendo plastic man from the jla he's been written in the past as a known sexual harasser 
true or false, well, Ethan? Well, I guess if everything stretches, then yeah, I would say that's true. <laughs> All right, J.A., you saying true. J.A. just can't stop laughing. Like, <laughs> can't out of his mind. Go on. True. All right, and it is true, but you both get a point. <laughs> yes. Uh, he can't be paired with Wonder Woman on JLA missions as a result, and he once changed himself into a dress and tricked Big Barda into wearing him. <laughs> doesn't, it, doesn't he just look like an oversized porn star, too? He's got that glasses. He's got, like, the chest machismo coming out. He could stretch. I mean, oh, Lord. He, he'd be on, like, a team with, like, you know, Jill Kelly and, uh, what? <laughs> Speaking of people that look like they should be in porn movies based on the picture we see, Nicholas Cage <laughs> was contracted to play Superman in the 1997 movie, but never saw a dime because DC claimed he never represented the character because the movie wasn't made. J.A. Uh, whether it was Nicholas Cage meant to play Superman? That's basically the question. You you like to throw in all these extra facts that are meant to keep us <laughs> guessing. I'm on to you. No, I don't think Nicolas Cage was set to play Superman. Okay, Ethan? Oh, was supposed to destined to play Superman, but did he see a dime from it? I don't know. I would say that is... I'm going to go true, just being contrarian. All right. The J.A. gets the point. It was false, but it was he did was contracted to play Superman, and he actually did earn $20 million for doing very little than taking hey, that memorable picture. This is problem with your questions. Your questions have, like, multiple things that could be true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did very little other than taking that memorable picture that everybody has seen with the long hair and the ill-fitting suit. Oh, All right, uh, Chad, you're up. All right, I'm going to throw you guys an easy one. Forget Metropolis or Gotham City. What real-life American city hosted the Justice League when the roster was made up of characters like Batman, Aquaman, Elongated Man, Vibe, Vixen, and Zatanna? Are we just supposed to name okay. a city? Yeah. Just name a city. I gotta say New York, because everything happened. Yeah, I'm gonna go to New York. That's where the UN is. New York City. And you'll both be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me guess, let me guess. Uh, was it Chicago? Let's go with Chicago. Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> no, it's, it's a hard-working town known for its auto manufacturing. Detroit. Wow. But it never got Detroit that in pulled. a thousand years. They must, they must have bribed somebody to get that. I wonder if the Justice League had lead in their water. <laughs> <laughs> it was likely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um... The Batman villain, the Condiment Man, was a joke rogues gallery member made specifically for the Lego Batman movie. True or false? I'm going to say that's false just because usually the Lego stuff like the pool really, really obscure things. All right. Jay? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy didn't show up in like the Adam West Batman series. <laughs> you were close. It was false. You're both going to get a point for this. He is a legit DC comic book character, and he actually appeared in the Batman the Animated Series. And he probably had like this epic arc where it's like, I don't know, kids died in like a skiing accident, and there was like, they had ketchup packets in their shorts, and then like the ketchup was screwed over the snow. <laughs> and then he has this whole epic arc, and then this Batman just punches him in the face and says, that's, that's you the are, 
you are you are writing the hell out of this series. I think I would watch this. <laughs> uh, next question. DC once created an evil sentient mountain trail called the Hell Path, which lured superheroes to their doom. Sure. DC. Yeah, you know, I've, I've had it. Why the f*** not true? <laughs> are you both saying true? Yes. The answer is false. No, they didn't do this shit. But they did create a benevolent sentient street called Danny, which provides disenfranchised folks with a place to call home. Because I love Danny the Street, and I was just like, eh, how can I get Danny the Street into this thing? You're up, Chad. So pre-crisis, which of these was not one of Superman's powers? A, he could make people forget things. B, he could make people remember things. C, he could move so fast he could appear to be both him and his secret identity at once. D, he could regenerate. E, he had telepathy. F, he could make a bisque that would make women fall in love with him. Or G, he could suspend 20 tons worth of weight with one single strand of his super hair. It was not one of his powers. Oh, uh, one of not one of his powers. I'm sorry. Remember, yes. I think it's the remember things. He he could make. No, actually, that actually makes sense too. <laughs> <laughs> they all make sense. That's I'm problem. saying that bisque thing. <laughs> if I get a vote, no, it's about that, the bisque. It's not about the bisque. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about the bisque. I mentioned the bisque. <laughs> Can you just say bisque a couple more times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm go gonna... with regenerate. Yeah, okay. I was just gonna say the regenerate one is just sounds like the most unreasonable. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> that's not the answer. Superman <laughs> could regenerate, but what he couldn't do was make a bisque that would make women fall. <laughs> <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> it didn't even say what kind of bisque it was. You suckers. It's a lobster bisque. That's the best kind. There was so many ridiculous, like ludicrous, so many issues like that. So of course, like I think you would make a bisque that makes women fall in love with them. This makes sense. Well, given that that Chad gave you that question, I'm going to give you another one about Superman's weird powers. Superman used to have the uh, power to create many duplicates of himself, like multiple man. True or false? There you go. I got to think about this one. <laughs> you just heard all true. these weird. Pri- this should have been like a no-brainer. I, I, you just heard that everything was weird got, under the sun. Uh, you know, when, when Doomsday killed Superman, there are all those other Superman. So there is a bit of. Uh, I think it's true. <laughs> Don't overthink this. Give uh, yeah. yeah, give me. You know, give me the true. Sure. <laughs> It is true. He could. He had the ability to shoot a miniature version of himself out of his hand. The comic in question saw Superman lose his most of his powers, but luckily there was no problem he couldn't encounter because he could shoot out this mini Superman. And at the end, Mini Supes sacrificed himself to give back his big twin his normal powers. <laughs> so we had a Danny DeVito Superman. <laughs> I don't know, a three and three quarters action figure size Superman that he shot out of nice. his hand. Weird issue. No, is that so that he could go to Candor? Because wasn't Candor like that size? You should have wrote <laughs> Silver Age DC. I would have been just fine. Just call you Gardner Fox here. Uh, by the way, you brought up Gardner Fox. One thing I learned doing the research for this was Gardner Fox apparently thought that if your mouth was numb that you were invincible. <laughs> So he went to the dentist and then took a bullet in the chest and died. <laughs> yeah. 
there was a story where the Riddler gave Batman Novocaine and they just kept punching him and Batman kept coming back because he was invincible and impervious to pain. Uh, speaking of other Silver Age stuff, famous comic book artist Carmen Infantino was responsible for the visual looks of many of DC's most iconic characters, including the Silver Age Flash, Elongated Man, and Silver Age Green Lantern. True or false? Uh, I'm going to say true. J.A., true or false? False, just just, just to uh, counter Ethan. <laughs> J.A.'s going to get the points. Yeah, right. out of spite. The Green Lantern's look was developed by Gil Kane, not Carmen Infantino. Oh, he was that little piece, yeah. that little nugget. You were right, J.A. There it was. But bonus question, and this is for anybody. Do you know who Kane modeled the Green Lantern after? Oh, I know Al this. Al Jordan was modeled after his neighbor, who was whom, Andy? Uh, it was Paul Newman. Well, Paul Newman's a handsome fellow, so... And he's got all that salad dressing. <laughs> Let's get um, oh, Chad... Like 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 and just by the five. way, there is there is no chance that I can win at this point. He's, uh, J.A. is whooping my ass. That's, he's that's up the score. Five, that's five, the four. Right. How many questions do you need to win, Ethan? <laughs> if you doubled them and... Uh, I don't know, bonus One last round. question from each right. of us. Lois Lane once sold her soul to the devil for a story. Uh, true. Uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's got to be true. False. She thought uh, she did, but it turns out it was just another alien who was trying to marry her. Uh, <laughs> of course. Here's my uh, here's my last questions on today's program. When Jack Kirby made the jump from Marvel to DC Comics in 1970, he was forced to do the Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen comic out of contractual obligation to do a book starring one of DC's big two. So Jack Kirby did do the book Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen in addition to his fourth world stuff. I'm going to say that's false just because I think that he was just having some fun with the character. Okay. I think that's true. I, I, I bet that when they brought him over, they they put into the contract, we need some Kirby drawings on uh, Superman or Batman. So I'm going to go true with that. All right. Ethan's going to get a point for this and catch up a little bit. Uh, it was false. He did the book because it was out without a creative team, and he didn't want to cost anybody their job. Uh, so, again, it's Jack kirby just being a nice guy is our lowest selling title so yeah and the winner of the game and a come from behind victory it's ethan uh, larson yeah! how come i had to answer all those questions i should get to ask you guys some dc related trivia questions all right well i've got some hot cocoa here i'm ready for your questions bring it on which DC comic character did Stanley say was his favorite? Seems like this is a trick question because he would have said like none because they were none of them were Marvel. I don't know. Wonder Woman? Batman? No, it is Lobo. What? Real? What? 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 Really? With with arm penis? Like that was Stanley's guy? Like come on. Bastiches are. Bastiches. This one's right up Chad's alley. What is the spiciest food in the DC universe? Some sort of kryptonite. Kryptonite pepper. It is Green Arrow's chili. Ah! Chad does make some good chili. Yeah, the last question. Who founded DC Comics? I founded them every week on the Spinner Rats. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the Marvel one. 
was it that Mort guy? Mort, what it, Mort Weisinger? Mort Weisinger. No, it's pre-Mort. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who, who, who was it? Malcolm Wheeler Nicholson. Like I said, Malcolm huh. Wheeler Nicholson. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad I could stump you with some ridiculously stupid questions. Well, they were ridiculously hard. I don't think they were fair. Good job. Bravo, sir. Bravo. Well, hopefully you enjoyed our DC month the last couple of weeks. We will be back with more Last Comic Shop next week with a non-DC-related book. We're going to be doing 1984, the uh, comic book adaptation of that famous uh, literary classic with Fido Nesty Art. So stay Ooh. tuned for that if you like. Sounds literary in nature. And depressing as hell. So <laughs> <the rest laughs> <of> time <laughs> the winter. In any case, you can make sure that you don't miss next week's show by rate reviewing and subscribing to The Last Comic Shop by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, a terrific place where you can find all of those podcasters that we uh, basically snowball every single week with our, our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merch, website, Last Comic Shop. Let's go play in the snow. See you later. Come on, you gotta at least do the merch. Well, J.A., can you can they get any anoraks out on our website? Parkas, don't you know? Oh, yeah. We need some parkas for the snow. Sounds oh, like three different accents. I know. I'm all over the place. And even though we are the last comic shop podcast, we don't want to actually be the last comic shop. So go to the comic shop locator, www.comicshoplocator.com. Find a place near you where you might be able to find Who Killed Jimmy Olsen? Or any of the number of other DC books we've been talking about recently. Now, can we go play in the snow? <laughs> of course we can. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith, and we are going to go out and build some of those snow forts. So maybe we'll post pictures, who knows? We'll see. But uh, make sure that you stay safe, stay warm, and remember watch where those husks go and don't eat that yellow snow. Yeehaw! The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.